Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. And I am really excited about my interview today with celebrity makeup artist, Joanna Simpkin. Everybody loves the word celebrity. If you don't know Joanna, I'm going to give you a little bit of her background. She has over a decade of experience and has collaborated with major commercial and beauty brands celebrity and celebrities from Mercedes-Benz and CoverGirl to Justine Skye, Cynthia Erivo, who's my friend, Kalana Barfield of InStyle, who we are all obsessed with, and Issa Rae. Um, Joanna was born in London and raised in San Francisco, where she became interested in art and design. As a young child, she began to display her talent as an artist specializing in drawing and painting. And by the age of 18, she was painting painting her first faces. After attending design school in San Francisco, Joanna moved to New York City and began working at the famed John Barrett Salon at Bergdorf Goodman. Her budding skills as a beauty expert noticeably drove business and she began cultivating relationships in the beauty and fashion industry. In 2005, Joanna was offered a role at Carol's Daughter, um, a multicultural beauty brand, which we all know, in a director's role in marketing and publicity. Publicity. In this bi-coastal position, Joanna cultivated strong relationships with A-list celebrities, Fortune 500 companies, stylists, editors, influencers, and tastemakers. Um, armed with an impressive Rolodex, Joanna resumed makeup artistry full-time on her own, which we are going to talk about. Um, immediately engulfed in photo shoots, production, and red carpet events, she found herself working with brands such as McDonald's, Old Navy, I say Netta Porter, but I know it's like Netta Porte, Coca-Cola and Canon. Um, she has also been commissioned for projects by Britney Spears, Lady Gaga, Marvel, Paramount Pictures, Gap, Vogue, Cosmo, Porter, and a host of others. Joanna, <laughs> welcome. I don't even think as like I'm reading that and I'm like, dang. Oh, is she talking about me? <laughs> that person sounds popping. <laughs> yes. I'm just, I'm like, oh my God. So Joanna, first, welcome. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I don't think I've ever had a makeup artist on, so I'm excited. Yay. I hope my skills uh, I transfer to audio. I, I feel like my job is very visual, so hopefully we can yeah, make this interesting. Like I can come through, yes. I don't know if you knew this, but I worked at the Mac counter 18 years ago in oh college. Yes. And I, you couldn't tell me I wasn't popping. Like that was the, the job. Well, first of all, you can't have... tell any Mac makeup artist they're not popping. But that's a whole no. other conversation. <laughs> Period. You just cannot. So um, I have always been obsessed with makeup. And so I think I first discovered you um, when I found out that you did makeup on one of like my favorite videos, Jay-Z, the one with is Swiss Beats. Is it on to, on to the on next to one? the next one. Oh my God, that was such a fun project. I always forget yes. we did that too. That was such a fun project. Yes. I think that, um, I don't know how I found you, but I looked it up and I was like, Oh my God, how, who is this girl? And how did she do this? And then I think some sort of way I started following you and, um, I just have managed to keep up with you and you have done my makeup, which we'll get into. But, um, I think I started following you on Twitter and I think you are like, you are on Twitter. So, uh, 
what's up with you on Twitter? You you love it there? You know what? I love Twitter. I I was like an early Twitter person. I was on like I, I don't know. I, there's like a way to check when you started, but definitely like 2008, <laughs> 2000, like when people weren't really on Twitter like that, and like when trending topics became like a big thing. You know, like remember that time? Like fabulous yes. would do like a trending topic, and that would be like the big entertainment on Twitter. Um, right. Yeah. So I joined then, and so like you said, I did have a background in. PR and marketing. And I just thought Twitter was such a phenomenal tool. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I left my full-time job at Carol's Art and just decided I wanted to do makeup full-time. And I just thought this is such an amazing way to market yourself. I mean, it's literally like, you know, celebrities all do it now, but I mean, it's literally like direct to consumer. You know, There's no mm-hmm. middleman. So, you know, and I don't think I went on specifically to sell myself as a brand. I mean, but I, I like you, you- you are a Twitter brand. Yeah, I, kind of, I guess I kind of am, but I, you know, but it's like, I really just was genuinely in the beginning. I enjoyed using it, and I had left New York and moved to LA, and you know, not that I was like lonely, but I was definitely like, oh, you know, sometimes I have like a lot of downtime. Like, let me get on Twitter. But it was great because everyone had like in entertainment had just sort of adopted Twitter, but like no one quite knew how to use it, and I think that was like a very magical, organic time to create. A social media connection like now everything feels a little more contrived when you like you right. see those connections right those but that super time, edited photos like right. we're doing a photo shoot for instagram remember when people used to take regular instagram pictures no by the way like literally i've been booked by like companies magazines whatever that i won't name that it's literally an instagram shoot like we're, we're shooting content for instagram we're shooting content for snapchat like Brands yeah. and magazines do that. Seriously, that's crazy. But yeah, um, yeah so yeah. like at that time, though, I just think Twitter felt very organic. And mm-hmm. it, it, I was really able to maybe not intentionally, but kind of just accidentally capitalize on on that. And it really sort of helped my my negotiation and my 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 networking, I guess, in a new city where I was able to kind of create, you know, I mean, even at that time, sort of like this illusion that you're like working, which it wasn't an illusion, I was working. But you know, when there wasn't, we weren't saturated and inundated with hair, makeup, wardrobe, people on social media yet, like, I was someone that was working genuinely. And I think that, yeah, that kind of like helped propel an audience, not necessarily even just of like, you know, makeup enthusiasts, but actually genuinely of like, producers and artists and managers and publicists who were like, Hey, we need to make a person. And that wow. my, yeah, it worked on my favorite. And that was just all from Twitter. It was. And it's so funny because I would tell people maybe like 2010, 2011, other makeup artists would say, really, you like Twitter? And I'd say, I love Twitter. I mean, I think it's great for business. And they'd say, so what do you do? You just get on Twitter and say, I'm a makeup artist, book me. And I was like, uh, that's basically the only thing I don't say. <laughs> like, right, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, there's sort of an organic, you know, I worked, like you said, for Carol's daughter, I worked for Steve Stout, who's, you know, he's like a legend in branding. Yes. And his one thing about Carol's daughter that he would always say to us is that you have to maintain authenticity so that people don't just feel like you're selling them. You know what I mean? Like right. Carol's daughter has such an integrity and such a heritage to it that if we had tried to switch it up, I mean, like we just saw like the whole hullabaloo with like Shea Moisture that just happened this week, right? And like- I have a question in here for you. It's so crazy that like, all the you're going over all the questions that I'm okay, having, but go okay. ahead. No, so maybe I'll, was, I'll get to the answer. <laughs> but yeah, like yes, yes. That, like that, it just felt like so far from the DNA of their brand that mm-hmm. all of a sudden it felt the consumer felt alienated, and you know, and I don't know that Shea Moisture felt you know 
a way about that. They weren't trying to obviously intentionally alienate their consumer, but like right. that was like a thing at Carol's daughter that like Steve would always drive. Like, you know, you have to remember like who our consumer is. They built this brand. They want mm-hmm. to feel loved, respected, appreciated, no matter how big you get. And I think like that's something that carries over to your personal brand on Twitter too. Like even, yeah. yeah, like I can't just get on there and be like, Hey guys, by the way, I'm doing makeup book me. It's like, they started following me on Twitter. Cause I was maybe funny or like behind right. the scenes photos on set. I'm like, I can't change that just because I'm now booking more or I'm seeing the value in being on Twitter and that that's getting me more jobs. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to keep yeah. your, your integrity and your strategy the same. Right. I think that like, um, it's funny that you bring that up. And I did have a question I was going to talk about you working at Carol's Daughter in 2005. And I was going to ask you what you thought, what you thought about Shea Moisture. People have been contacting me about it. And, you know, I am in business. And so it's I I agreed that I thought the ad was just not good. But I have a different sort of relationship with Shea Moisture in that um, the founder or the owner has like, I remember meeting him and just being in a bind, like a real one, you know, and you know how somebody asks like how you're doing and you're just like, you so kind of like stressed that you can't even lie. It's like, you know, like my rent is due. I, I just kind of blurted out to him that I was really stressed because, you know, something that was supposed to come through didn't, was looking like it wasn't going to come through. And he was like, I got you, you know, and he's just been like that from the beginning. And so I totally understand that, you know, sometimes the way the ad came off was not good but I think at the core this guy you know is is a good guy and we always talk about like I don't know if there's been a brand that has become like the juggernaut that they have you know it's like how do you really because back then Carol's daughter wasn't in Target it's like how do you navigate this mass market I think it's tough and I think you're gonna make some mistakes I think it's tough and it's I mean I don't think anyone in this world doesn't have a misstep and I think yes right and 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 we're just sort of in this time where everything's amplified because you don't get away with anything because (laughs) no ma'am because of social media like I might have not even seen that ad you know back (laughs) in the days you used to be able to target that they would have done a buy on a show maybe where they feel like it's like a white consumer and they were like we're just gonna do this buy here we're gonna use this other commercial which yes they did do right. a commercial yes. full of like all black <laughs> models and they would have done a buy right. where they feel like there's viewership with black people you know right. what I mean? like they, it would have been like an intelligent thing social media doesn't allow you to even like do that anymore no, ma'am. yeah and it's like or you could you could have just taken it down remember right. when you took that like they took it down but it lives forever it lives forever it lives forever and yeah, yeah i mean we're just sort of in this like really weird time but i also feel like you know there's always this conversation of like and I don't know, this is like a sensitive subject, especially for me to step into. And I'm just going to put it out here, guys, that I'm white, but I'm going to step into this weird sensitive space for a second that I feel like it's very hard to, you can't like play both sides of the fence. So you want to sort of have your needs met, obviously, as like a consumer, you're like, as a consumer, as like a, a black consumer, right? You're like, I want you to look at me, right? I want you to see me. I want you to notice me. I want you to see that my hair, my skin, whatever is as important as this white hair and white skin that these other brands champion. Right. So then you have like a brand that's trying to push like into that, into that space, right? Like they're trying to get on the shelves and target next to suave or whatever it is. It's like for white people. Right. And like Mm -hmm. to play in that space, they kind of say like, Hey guys, like anyone can use it because any, like suave sort of says, Hey, anyone can use it. Like hair is hair. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. 
they're like, doing the same thing. Right. They're doing the same thing. But it's like there's so much pushback on a brand like Shea Moisture or Carol's Daughter like that has this heritage. And it's like, I don't know that that brand is necessarily abandoning their core consumer. They're just sort of trying to like get like they're trying to get on the shelf and that's just how big business right. works you know what i mean like you got to show a number right. to target that says we sell this many skews <laughs> well to sell that many skews you got to sell it to everybody right right so. yeah, right right and i think that that's just the i love the way you kind of you did that that's just like the larger the larger issue versus i don't know versus it just not being good you know it's yeah. just like dang like it's like we dropped something that wasn't really good and like you said we've all yeah. we could have back in the day i've done the same thing where you're just like dang i did that and i like when you brought up about like getting big i think that that was sort of like somebody wrote this blog post uh about me this week about sort of like why she unfollowed me and it was kind of written in like a I don't know like maybe a nice detone but it rubbed me because it was this thing of like well I can't relate to her because I need to be around somebody that's doing the work and not just sort of showing the rewards and I'm just like social media or something like that is like it's like maybe a highlight reel and maybe you didn't you didn't know you don't like I can't share personal family things out of respect for my family you know I don't share my the things that are happening within my organization out of respect for the people who work for me but it's like my life ain't all roses but that's not what Instagram you wouldn't like it (laughs) if I posted it and by the way (laughs) isn't that like the number one like thing like when you get on Facebook and you're like god people use Facebook like a diary no one wants to hear all this crap (laughs) right like like, we can't have it both ways you know what I mean Right. it's so funny I always get in debates with people I'm going to bring up the K word the Kardashian but like <laughs> it, nothing drives me crazier than when people say like Kim Kardashian doesn't do anything like all she she's just famous she doesn't do anything I'm like mm-hmm. just because you see this sort of like manufactured she's showing consumers what they want they want to see what makeup she's wearing what clothes she's wearing how her hair looks right. nobody needs to see the work like if you're going to tell me that kim kardashian could be as famous as she is and she's not busting her ass from morning to night they're like she sits in a makeup chair and gets her makeup done and then she films a reality show i'm like you don't think that's work you must have never been on set you know what i right. mean like, she works like they those right. girls work and right. it's just social media gives you this sort of illusion of like there's no work. I just see this yeah. like final glossy image, but I don't see everything right. else. And it's just, it's not the case. And no one wants what to it, see the grunt work, like I said. Right. And she's just like, I want, and so that's what kind of rubbed me. I'm like, you know, decades ago, like when I was, when I was sleeping on the floor, you know, pre-social media, like you didn't know me then, or the fact that I get up, you know, four or five, six o'clock every day, but that's okay. But anywho, um, and I, I worked with, uh, Kim on Real Housewives of Atlanta when I first moved to Atlanta and, and people would say that, and I worked with her every day and it's like the call times for this hair and makeup and it's like the hurry up and wait, the can we film this over and over and over again? We didn't get the sound this time. You know, it's like, it's work, it's work. But so, then when you, like what you see, yeah, music videos. That's what made me want to get out of the music industry. Music videos take like two days to film music for four minutes. Work. 
the yeah. worst. It's yeah. so funny. My, my, I, I hate <laughs> my fiance works in sports and he had to sit on set one time. They were filming like, I don't remember, like a Kobe commercial or something. And he had a little, oh, with, something with Carmelo Anthony. And they were like on set for like two days. And he came home and he was like, how do you do this every day? He's like, I wanted to kill myself on set. Like, this is like the longest two days of my uh, life. And I'm yes. like, yeah. And it's like, people don't, it looks fun. It's like, yes, our job looks fun. It's a, it's a casual environment. I'm not sitting at an office. I'm not clocking in. Right. I'm not, you know, But like, just because it's fun doesn't mean it's not work. You know what I mean? Right. And, and people, yeah. you don't, no one wants to see the ugly side of it. And I try to show that a little bit now. I actually really appreciate things like Snapchat and Insta stories yes. because yeah. I feel like, you know, your photo lives forever. So I'm always like careful about any photo I post on myself. I'm like, oh, I look crazy there. Take 26 more. Like, let me make sure I like it. I hate it. Delete right. it. But my Insta stories, I'm like no makeup. Like, I don't care. Right. Hair in a knot. Five in the morning in the car on the way to Good Morning America. Like, y'all want this life? Like, okay. This is, this <laughs> is, this is the life. Right. So I want to get into, um, I want to get into 2005 uh, when you were working at Carol's Daughter. And the question that people write me about all the time is getting the guts to leave and do makeup. So I want to know what you did or believe you did to prepare to leave. Carol's daughter and and become a full-time makeup artist I want to know what you did to prepare and what the first year was like okay so 2005 <laughs> to 2000 top of 2009 I was at Carol's daughter and okay. I arguably had like if you had to have a corporate job I had the job everyone wanted I had the job okay. that was like let's do um in stores events um, with Mary J. Blige, she's on tour with Jay Z. Go to all the cities with them. Set up yes. a pre- set up press backstage before the show with her at every show, and then we'll do a Sephora in store. Like, go on tour with Jay Z and Mary J. Blige and sell lotion, right? Like, who gets to do that in beauty, right? I had like the job everyone right. wanted. Yes. So, but um, so what happened was. I'm just not really made, even though it didn't feel corporate at that time, I'm just not made Mm -hmm. for the corporate thing. I always loved doing makeup and I played with it on the side. I would do every now and then test shoots. Um, I knew another makeup artist. Sometimes she would call me in as like an extra artist on jobs she was working on, like on the weekends and things like that. I may or may not have called out sick a couple times. Hi, Lisa. Um, <laughs> but, I may yeah. or may not have. <laughs> I may or may not have a future just because I just knew that I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And um, what happened, it all sort of kind of fell in line together. So at the same time that I was sort of falling out of love, not with Carol's daughter, um, but just with like working for someone else and not doing what I wanted to do every day. At the same time, Carol's daughter was sort of getting like, like going through a transition of an influx of investment and they were sort of switching to a slightly more corporate structure and restructuring. And I had come in at such an early time that I was doing like everything. I had creative stuff, PR stuff, internet Mm -hmm. stuff. Like I had so much stuff under my belt. And when they started like breaking down what I was doing and dispersing it, I was mm-hmm. like once I it was almost like once I wasn't as busy I realized I wasn't enjoying it like I almost liked right. that frantic pace right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then my my focus started having to be stuff like sales oriented just stuff that I didn't love as much like they were they were on the home shopping network and they was like take over the home shopping and it just wasn't like what I loved anymore right so but because I had had that sort of en- entertainment heavy side you know I was lucky that. 
so this, let me back up the CEO. Um, so Lisa, you guys obviously know, is like the, the face of Carol's daughter, the president. She created the company. But there was a CEO at the time, Steve Stout, and he had come mm-hmm. from the music business. So mm-hmm. he almost r- helped run the company like a, a record company. And a lot of our promo. Yeah, right. I mean, that was what he knew, right? Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of our promo was with labels and artists. So I had sort of just slowly built this Rolodex of, you know, PR from Atlantic Records, PR from Universal Records, this artist's manager, so-and-so's, I was booking shoots, so-and-so's makeup artist, so-and-so. I had this, like, crazy, like, entertainment Rolodex that I didn't really know what to do with, but but I knew I had all these people. Right. And when I finally decided to make the move, um, you know, I gave, like, I actually gave, like, a two-month notice just because, like I said, I'd been sort of transitioning out of so many roles Mm -hmm. I couldn't just like leave in two weeks and I was over New York I just wanted to like be somewhere fresh I wanted warm weather I just wanted something new and I Mm -hmm. didn't want that pressure of New York I feel like New York it's you have to have a job in New York like full-time all the time it's stressful um so I was like I feel like LA will be more relaxed I just I left and I went to LA Mm -hmm. and I didn't really have anything per se. Like I didn't have any jobs. I didn't really have much savings. I just like was just in a new city. I had Twitter, (laughs) which was great. (laughs) And no, but it really was because I, at that time, like I said, a lot of entertainment people had joined it. So I had like a lot of people that were in my Rolodex and I don't know if it does it still, but at that time it was like, when you join Twitter, it'd be like, Hey, these people in your address book are also on Twitter. Right. Does it still do that? I don't even know, but I think so. Yeah. So we would add each other. So I had, I sort of had this Twitter where I had like publicists following me, artist managers following me, hairstylists following me, everything like that. And I would, anytime that I would, um, do anything, I would like post a photo of it or, you know, tweets from set or whatever. And I was Mm -hmm. really lucky because, um, the video commissioner from Atlantic records, uh, her name's Emmanuel. She's amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. she had literally, I think she had sent me a text and said, Hey, I want to do like an integration in a video. I don't even remember who it was for, but like, we want to like see if Carol's daughter would do, you know, some sort of like, we're shooting a bathroom scene. Can I get Carol's daughter product? We're like featured in the video. Like I just want some product. Right. And mm-hmm. I wrote her back and I said, you know, I don't work at Carol's Art anymore. I'll connect you with the person that could do that. And she was like, wait, what? What do you do? And I'm like, oh, I moved to L.A. I want to do makeup. You know, I'm just – and she said, oh. She's like, well, I have like three background girls in the video. Do you want to just come and do the makeup in the video instead? Like she – like amazing. Like she didn't ask me for like a book. Like she just knew me, right? And she right. was like, awesome. Like do you want to come do it? Like she trusted me. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um and I did it and we got along great on set. And, you know, I guess I did a, a fine enough job for girls in the background of a video that you're barely going to see anyway. Right. And so right. She, she booked me again and again and again. But what I would do at that time, and again, you have to remember this was before social media was such a thing because now like you get to set and the call sheets say like no photos from set, no tweeting, no, because people were like spoiling, people are yes. not like spoiling the project. Right. They, right. I was always cognizant not to do that just because I came from a sort of a different era of like, you don't do your big reveal until you're ready to do your big reveal. But I would post videos or photos from like the makeup room or whatever. It was just like very much the illusion and not just the illusion because it really was like the illusion that I was a working makeup artist. I was on set and I was like sort of selling, I guess I was creating a brand really without thinking about it. Like I was 
given the illusion that I was a busy working makeup artist. Right. Very and busy. Very busy. And 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 I was, but and it was like and I always tell makeup artists that like music videos are the best training ground. Mm-hmm. Um because you get like especially like when you're doing like background dancers and stuff, you can get like 10 different girls, they all look different. Give everyone a glitter smoky eye, do it on this Asian girl's eyes, do it on this blonde right. girl, do it on this really dark skin girl. You get to practice. They need them really fast. You get to practice your set etiquette like you guys music videos are like training ground like baptism by fire it's amazing um but yeah so i just did like i probably did like a hundred music videos that first year um girl it's crazy and one gets another gets another gets another like yeah you meet a producer then i met this hairstylist named nisi who's amazing that i still have a great relationship with and she was always getting job she was getting booked and they were always like do you have a makeup person and she'd always be like yeah i have this girl you know what i mean i mean and these are like the worst, worst rates. I mean, like, you know, you're on set, like to your point, it's like two days, 14 hour Mm -hmm. days. And you know, the makeup rates for some of these jobs was like $400 for the whole day where you're like my neck, my back, like everything is killing me. Not the rest of that, but you know what I mean? Like you're just, it's killing me. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for not a lot of money and, um, yeah, she would book me on them and, I got like a couple of like really bigger legitimate things, um, literally through Twitter. Like, um, what was your, what was your first big, like, I can't believe job, like pinch me. You've got to be kidding me. Um, so I had done, I was doing, um, let me back it up. I, I had a relationship with someone who was working for Puff. He still works for Puff. And he was calling me in to do like all these jobs that had like, you know, this was like when Puff was managing Nicki Minaj and this was like dirty money time and all that. And um, then there was a video and I literally cannot even think what the name of the song is right now because this was literally like 2010, but it was like dirty money, Rick Ross, T.I. What is this song that I'm thinking of? Anyway, Uh, it'll come to me. It's going to come to me. I'm going to have to Google it. But anyway, so um, I shot the video and at that time, there was a woman working for Puff. She was working for Ciroc, actually. And it, literally, her job was a Ciroc placement in the video. Her name's okay. Ro. She's amazing. And she, we were just like, we're literally on set just talking, just, you know, hanging out. She was awesome. Mm-hmm. And she followed me on Twitter that day. And I, like, I remember specifically being like, oh, are you on Twitter? And she's like, oh, I am. And, like, forcing her to follow. Not forcing her, but, like, definitely being like, oh, well, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to follow you. Follow me. So right. yeah, like hey, like the network, right? But like the new networking, social media right. networking. Right. I'll follow. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm going to add you right now. Right? Yeah, I'm going to add you right now. So we followed each other, and she started seeing me tweeting, obviously that I was working, mm-hmm. and she sent me a DM, and like maybe like four months later, she's like, "Hey, this is Ro. You probably don't remember me. Like I was on the the Dirty Money video. I was working for Ciroc. I'm like, of course. And she's like, I work for Kevin Lyles now, and we manage Salida eBanks." She is shooting a State Farm commercial. Can you do her makeup? And I was like, of course. Like, oh, my God. Right. Like, State Farms? Lady Eba? Like, what? Right. And, um, yeah, like, they booked me on it. Like, it was, like, the first time where I got to, like, negotiate, like, a rate where I was like, this is absurd. I can't believe someone's going to pay me this to do makeup. But I just, like, right. shot it out there. And production right. came right back. Like, sure, that's your rate. You're booked. I was like, this is crazy, but okay. Right. And, um I just remember like getting to set and it was like so, so official. And I was officially like, I wasn't assisting anyone. I wasn't like a low budget video. Like this was like a commercial. Right. Ironically, the ad agency that was doing it was translation, which is Steve Stout's ad agency, which is crazy. Right. Like, right. 
total serendipity, full circle right. moment. Um, and he wasn't on set, but it was like, you know, just like people that all worked for him and his team. So that was crazy. And I just feel like on set, I had the moment. And then when I saw the commercial and it's like, it's so funny. I just watched the commercial again the other day. Cause I totally forgot about it, but it was like such a funny commercial. Right. And I was like, God, I just like did a state farm commercial and it's on tv like all the time like i would literally just be sitting watching like a laker game and the commercial come on i'd be like this is crazy this is a crazy story too that like in college i interned at a agency that represented photographers hairstylists makeup artists and wardrobe stylists and i dressed salita ebanks at like this, I mean, I was in college. She was a model for this jewelry show at the owner of the Gap's house. And I remember thinking to myself, this girl is so beautiful, but she was like a nobody then. Like, you know, she was just like a small model. Like her name didn't mean anything, but she was so nice. So Um, nice. She was so nice, which brings me to this. You work with everyone. And one thing that I admire about you is that you have such a great attitude uh-huh. at six o'clock in the morning. I think that you came to do my makeup. I think I remember one time you came to do my makeup. It had to be like five, six o'clock in the morning and you just had such a positive and good attitude. And I, I was like, this has to be what has I do believe that that has impacted your career and and your longevity. Do you agree? Absolutely. Um, It's so fun. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who is a a radio personality. She's been on the radio. She's had TV shows. And someone had asked her one time, like, like, how do you become sort of you? And she said, like, the crazy thing I was thinking as I was telling her all the steps I took, all I was thinking in the back of my mind was, the only thing you're missing is that you're not me. And Mm. I was thinking, that's so true. Right. Yeah, like, you have this thing that's just you. Like, I could tell you exactly how I became a makeup artist. People are always asking me, how do you Mm -hmm. do it? How do you get in with celebrities? How do you get in with magazines? How do you do commercials? How do you do weddings? I don't even know. Like, I don't even do weddings. But, like, like, how do you do (laughs) any of it? And I'm like, I could give you all those steps, but... like who you are is so important. And, Mm -hmm. and I think especially in an industry like mine, like to your point, I'm in your hotel room at five in the morning, or maybe I'm on set with you for 10 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say to people like this industry, especially, and I think like any industry, but it's sort of like 50% how well you do your job and 50% Mm -hmm. do people want you around while you do your job? Yes, it's not. You can have all you can beat a face down to the ground. So many makeup artists. (laughs) Anything you do, do. there's so many people that would be a receptionist. There's so many uh, librarians. I don't know. But like, do I want to be with you for a full shift? Like, do I want to so see you important. at five o'clock in the morning? Right. Or, like, like you for said, me, I'm like, I'm going into people's homes sometimes. Yes. Like, they might have like yes. a newborn baby. Like, do I want your energy anywhere around mm. me right now? Yes. And I, you know, and I have worked with people in this business where I just remember doing a client one time and like the hairstylist kind of came in and did her thing and left. And my client turned to me and she said, that girl has the worst attitude and has like literally never booked her again. She's like, is it me? Her attitude is so disgusting every time. And I was like, yeah, I try to never throw people under the bus, but I was like, holy cow. Like we got sucked into her black cloud when she came in and she left. And my client literally was like, 
is it me or she has the worst attitude ever? And I'm like, yeah, so bad. Like her and, and like, she's literally never been booked again. I've never referred her for She's like my client. Yep. Never booked her again. I've never referred yep. her for anything, called her for anything. I've like been in a pinch where people have been like, Hey, like we need a hairstylist on set. There's a rate. Da, da, da. I'm like scrambling calling other people. I'm like, she's literally sitting in my phone and I know she's not that busy probably because she has a sink attitude. I will right. never call her ever, ever, ever for anything. And it's that's so what important. I try to always say that like attitude is latitude. And I think a couple of mistakes that people make um, is one of the big ones is that the assumption that somebody is going to act a certain way because of your own insecurities or what you think about that person. So I've walked into rooms and people are like, Oh, I, you know, I thought you were going to be like this or like that. And it's just like, you, you're trying to have a bigger attitude than what you think I'm going to have. And that's not who, what I am. Or right. you've been trained you've watched too many devil wears prada movies and you think that i need to like be um amanda Priestley to to show who i am and i'm just like or you think being nice makes you appear weak you know what i mean or vulnerability is not you won't be successful um but i think those are all myths and having worked with celebrities myself every single person that i've seen that has sustained their celebrity are just nice people that is a hundred percent true. And it's so funny. I had this conversation maybe like five years ago, like when I did live in LA with, um, a really, really humongous celebrities manager. And we were all mm-hmm. just having drinks like me, him and another friend of ours. And, uh, we were like randomly just talking about some super huge celebrities who I won't name, but like, <laughs> I, I, like I remember saying specifically, I'm like, this person is so talented that like, I literally get chills um, and I just don't understand why more things are not happening for them, mm-hmm. for her. And he literally said, because, uh, can I swear on here? He said, yes, she's a fucking bitch. And yep. I said, and I said, I totally get that. He's like, it's, I mean, it like oozes through on camera and everything. <laughs> like, and I'm like, you're so right. Like it just, it oozes through. And I'm like, God, she's so talented. And it's like, you just block your own blessing, like just being nasty or, yes. or just having this attitude that's, that's too big for you. Like not everyone gets to, to do the Aretha, Mariah, like there's very few divas. Like the reason that like Beyonce just wins over and over and over, like, yes, she's amazingly talented. Yes. She's stunningly beautiful, but like literally every single person that interacts, have you ever heard a bad story about Beyonce ever? Every single Never. person that interacts with her says she is the loveliest woman and I've met her multiple times and I will say it. She is the loveliest woman that you have ever, ever. She's lovely. And I I was just, I don't think that she's not having a bad day. And I think, you know, and there's probably some people that would argue like, well, she's trained and it's fake and whatever, (laughs) whatever it is. Like she's been famous since she was young. Her dad managed it. Like she knows how to deal with people. You'll never feel anything horrible from her. And that's so important. Yeah, I was read. I just finished See the Gods book, Charlemagne the God. I don't listen to the radio. Um, Do it on audio when you're traveling to and fro. It's he's it's great on audio book. Like it's not you don't even need to to get the physical book because of because he's a radio personality. He's got a great voice. He's a great storyteller. It's really I I enjoy I enjoyed it listening to it in the car. Yeah, yeah, and I finished it in a week to be consumed that way. Yes, yes, I finished it in a week, like in the car, and he towards the end he talked about 
about how he was somewhere with like Jay-Z and somebody else because because in this book, Black Privilege, he talks about how the same thing you just said about people liking other people and how he speaks to everybody in the room. And he said he was in a room with Jay-Z and Beyonce walked in, I guess, to say something to Jay-Z. And he said, like, before Beyonce even talked to Jay-Z, she acknowledged and said hello and introduced herself to everyone in the room. And he was like, he said, the lesson that I got is like, if Beyonce can introduce herself to every person in the room, like I for damn sure can. And I just think it's... She walks into a room, she makes eye contact with everybody, smiles at them, says hello. Um, It's crazy. Uh, By the way, we, I went to that on the run tour that they did together and they had like this sort of like, um, like a VIP lounge afterwards. Uh, we were in the MetLife show in New York and, you know, they just put on this like three hour concert. She was exhausted, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. And her and Jay came into that room and they made the rounds. I I mean, they literally talked to everybody. They just done a three hour tour. It was New York. So the lounge was packed obviously with like, Right. friends, influencers, celebrity, everybody, like everyone wanted to see them. It was like the most packed right. lounge on the tour. And yep. I mean, she literally said hello. And so did he like to every single, thank you for coming. I wow. love it. And she makes you feel, um, that, that she's listening. I think like, that's very important when you interact with people that you're not mm-hmm. just sort of a smile and nod that like, if right. someone says something to you, you respond to what they said. Right. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? That's very peripheral. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm great. I love the show. Thank you so much. What was your favorite part? You know what I mean? Like she's engaging with people and that's super important to make people feel respected and and seen and heard. Yeah. Okay. I I we I love that we had a Beyonce moment, but I have to (laughs) everything calls for a Beyonce moment. I have to ask the infamous question. It would not be right if I did this podcast without asking. If someone was really serious about becoming a professional makeup artist today, what three tips would you give them, Joanna? Okay. People in the in, in the I'm in, in in the you know I do makeup on YouTube I do right. I beat my face on Instagram. Um, rule number one, and I know this is tough because I put you on the spot, but I love this. Yeah, let me think. Okay, <laughs> so I think it, you have to take a step back. I think when you want to be anything seriously, you have to sort of take a step back and look at what the options of being that are right because right. What I do is different than what someone who has a YouTube channel does or is different from what someone who has 5 million Instagram followers and it's all photos of makeup on their self does. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Those are different types of I'm a makeup artist and I'm not giving one a higher value or saying this one means more or this one's real, but they're different. So I think like the first thing you need to do is decide what you're going to be because I'm here to tell you, it's like literally not possible to be all of them. Like running a YouTube channel is like a full-time job, right? Running, um, an Instagram page where you're being like a brand influencer and people are sending you looks to try and you're getting paid for that. That's a full-time job and doing like celebrity and and clientele and private booking and freelance. That's a full-time job. Um, and especially if you have, you know, a husband, a wife, a fiance, a child, a pet. Mm-hmm. And like if you if you have a life, you know, basically right. if you if you do anything besides put your hands in makeup all day, then those are right. different things, right? So I think like the first thing is you have to decide which one you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um because yeah, they're different. And so I would say like now speaking 
more to my expertise, which is not to be a YouTube tutorial person or not to be an Instagram influencer where people, and that's like a thing where like people, like the makeup companies will literally send you a a package and say, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. Can you create a look using this product? This is the product we're highlighting. Like that's an actual business model that, that people are like super winning on Instagram with. Um, but then, you know, then that becomes, then there's like a debate, like, are you a makeup artist or are you a salesperson? You know what I mean? Like, it just becomes like okay. a different thing, right? So, okay. so speaking then for, so that's my first step is like, decide which thing you want to be. Now, saying that, I'm going to speak to my expertise, which is to be, you know, celebrity slash editorial slash advertising, like a freelancer. Right. Um, I think that in this day and age, your social media is very important. And okay. Um, not to become, you have to sort of make sure that your page doesn't look like the YouTubers and the Instagrams, if that makes okay. sense. Like you've all, like we all scroll our Instagram, like your explore page. Right. And you click on mm-hmm. a, you know, this like super close up of this, like OD detailed eye with this like <laughs> glitter and there's like, and the video plays and there's like 27 steps. to like create right. this eye, right? Like there's a place for that. And the place is Instagram. Like that's not something that you're going to see in Vogue. And again, I'm not judging like what's better. I'm just saying like, if you want to do this, if you do this, you do this. If you do this, you do this. Mm -hmm. So I think it's being cognizant of how your social media looks. Is it all photos of you Mm -hmm. and the same style of makeup in every picture? Because then that sort of lends itself more to like, I'm going to be the Instagram influencer that tries different products. Right. Okay. So I think like the important thing if you want to freelance is you need to get models, your friends, your mom, I don't care, like get buy some makeup, buy cheap makeup, it doesn't even matter. And you just got to start doing looks and different looks. Um, like, t- I mean, back in the day, we would have just called this quote unquote testing, which is which was mm-hmm. at that point, literally just to get a photo for your book. Now it's like you're getting photos for your social media, right? right. So you want to you want to test in the new way, which is like online do like, you could do it on Instagram live, you could do an Insta story, you could do your Snapchat. Um, but I think that like the diversity of who you're putting makeup on is super important if you want to head down this like freelance road, right? Like okay. everyone's got to look different. Um, and the, the, like to B as far as I guess that's two a, then two B <laughs> with okay. your social is about tagging brands because it's mm-hmm. super expensive to build a kit. So if mm-hmm. you're doing stuff where you're tagging brands, you're going to be noticed by whoever's running social media. And eventually, especially if your work is great, you're going to get a DM that says, that's amazing. Can we send you some product? And you're going to say, yeah. Absolutely, because this shit is expensive. (laughs) Someone just hit me to send me books, and I was like, "Yes, Yes. thank you." Like publishers have started have started sending me books that I actually want to read. Right, you're like, please send it to me. Yes, but yeah, but it's like, but like, but tagging the brands is important, Um, and that also helps build your following. And we are in a time where, I mean, like when I got signed to my agency. Like mm-hmm. one of the first things my agent said when she was like, you know, I went through your website, I started your client and she said, I also went through your social. You have like a great following. Did you build that on yep. yourself? Like we are in social media time. So they want to see that you are able to engage, you know, brands want to pay for that regardless if you're freelance or you're being the, the YouTube person or the Instagram person, like brands are engaging you because 
you are engaging a consumer, right? So, I mean, right. that goes back to like the whole Kardashian formula. Like you have this captive audience of millions or 10,000 or 30,000 or 500, but whatever it is, is you build that by constantly keeping your social media going. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So, and so then, yeah. And then three. God. Okay. So I think it, this is like a twofold thing too. And it's, it kind of goes along with attitude and it goes with how you approach uh, your peers and customers. Yes. Um, this is what I, this is what we need. Yeah. And okay. So I'm going to back it up. There was an article that came out, um, like, I don't know, four months ago. And it was mm-hmm. something like, is I think it was called something like you guys can Google this article. It's called something like is social media, the new currency for, hair, makeup, and wardrobe people. And the article highlighted particularly um, the sort of celebrity hair, makeup, glam people that have come to light and sort of, and really focus like on that Kardashian world and how they've sort of propelled their glam teams into this sort of like glam superstardom. Like, you know, everyone knows like makeup by Mario and like Mm -hmm. Jen Atkin, the hairstylist and, and this sort of sub level of like the next level of like their glam teams, but just how all their people become sort of celebrity and how they become busy. And um, I thought it was a a super fascinating article. And there was a big scandal after the article came out because a very established makeup artist, and I mean, when I say established, I mean like 20 years in the business, 30 years in the business, like iconic Mm -hmm. makeup artist named Patty Dubroff, who is, you know, she's an amazing makeup artist, highly respected. Um, very from the old school, she basically was like, you know, she's like, I don't like this social media makeup artist situation. Like, how am I supposed to compete when, and like, where is where she really messed up is that she specifically named someone. She called someone out. Um, she called out this makeup artist named Patrick Ta, who I think is phenomenal. Like I'm obsessed with his work. And, um, She basically said, how am I supposed to compete when this artist, Patrick Ta, is DMing people and saying he'll do their makeup for free if he could post it on Instagram? Or It was like something to that effect. But she like called him out for like how he'd approached the work. Okay. And, um, you know, it was like a big thing. Like all the Kardashian glam squad people kind of came to his defense. Mario, Jen, everyone was posting like, you know, Patrick is amazing, you you know, uh, as they should. And, um, I, I like, I see it twofold. I mean, I definitely, first of all, I think Patrick is phenomenal and I, and I literally like he posted something about it and I remember commenting right under his picture, like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like however you got the client is not as important as the fact that they keep on requesting you. Like, so clearly you're phenomenal. They enjoy you. They enjoy your work and, you know, don't be mad that someone is hating basically. Right. But I also get what she understood. Like she was resisting the, I think like she caught a lot of backlash, A, because she named him, B, because it sounds like, well, you're a hater. You don't know how to use social media. Don't be mad that he used it right. right. And I think what kind of did get lost about what bothered her was more about that she felt that she didn't like that he had like DM'd people and said he would do it for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's like a slippery slope there because I also feel, and I've heard that there are other makeup artists that have done that, um, in fact, like I've had celebrity clients tell me that certain makeup artists have done that and like been like, oh, I'll do it for free for the for the post if you just tag right. me. Or I, I actually have heard there's actually a pretty big makeup artist now um, who asked someone, not even can I do it for free? They said, I'll pay you 
Wow. I'm going to pay you to do your makeup if you post it. Well, they're going to get business from, from that, you know, it's like if they post it so much business, they're getting so much business, including, and like, and to go back to the point of like what I had told Patrick initially, like they're getting that, that client is their repeat client. Like at the end of the day, she loved how the makeup was done. And I mean, like at the end of the day, your talent has to speak for itself. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, but, but going back to the like DMing and asking for free, like I can't, I can't knock that hustle. Um, but I think that you have to tread carefully when it's somebody that maybe has someone already established. So say there's like, like, I'm not going to DM, um, well, obviously like the Kardashians wouldn't even see like a DM, but okay. So I'm not who's someone who like, okay. So like, you know, Issa Rae uses me, right? Right. So for you to DM her and say, Hey, I'll do it for free. Like, it's not like Issa uses 25 people and there's no one really set. And you're like, let me try. Like Issa's like, Joanna did the makeup. Joanna did the makeup. Joanna did like Joanna's her makeup artist. So to like DM Issa and say, Hey, I'll do it for free for posts. That's like gross. Not, not even for me personally, just like, I'm like, ew, don't try to take my client. But I'm like, just as trying to become my peer in this industry, don't try to like undercut me. Cause A, you're, you're not just devaluing my work. You're devaluing your own work. You just set the price for yourself and it's zero. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but what I would say is if there is, so maybe, um, like, on Issa's show, right? Like Amanda Seals is on her show, right? And maybe Amanda is like starting to get more recognition because she's on the show all the time and there's more red carpets and there's all these things and she's not tagging anyone consistently. Like, Mm. I feel like that's your smart way to go in and be like, hey, I would love to do your makeup. Like, I'll do it for free if you tag me. You know what I mean? Because A, you're not stealing her from your would-be peer and B, you might get this great relationship from it. You know what I mean? And and that's right. sort of how you test your skill because if she doesn't like the makeup, she's not booking you again, even if it's free. Like no one is going to be like, yeah, sure, put ugly makeup on because it's free. You know what I mean? Like, but if she likes it, then you get a client and then you start charging her and then she's tagging you and then someone's like, I love Amanda's makeup. Who's doing it? And you know what I mean? Like, right. so I, I think that there's this sort of like this double-edged sword that we walk on where we're in this social media world, you have direct access to possible clients. Um, and there's a way to approach them delicately. And I think like the thing that Patrick had done that, that Patty was upset about, like, I think it was like Jenna Dewan, like Channing Tatum's wife. Like she didn't necessarily at that time have any specific makeup artist that she was using. He he didn't do it to anything gross. He just saw somebody that was like, she's gorgeous. I want to do her makeup. She has a following. If she tags me, it's a good look. And he like went in and like, he understood the power of social media and it worked for him. And again, he does the most beautiful makeup and everyone books him. It's stunning. And everyone books him. And I hear, I've I've only met him one time, but I hear he's like a complete delight and a a pleasure Mm -hmm. to be around. And, and that's winning. Um, and I think like the same goes for how you approach other makeup artists online. Like people DM me a lot, um, or they'll leave comments or they'll, they'll send like, you know, emails into my website. And I I don't know, there's just like a certain way to do it. Like, of, of saying like, you know, I would love to learn from you. I'd love to assist. And then I've had people who have been like, I'd love to assist. And then 
And I'll, you know, I'll reach back out to them and say, you know, your work looks beautiful. Like, I don't always have assistant opportunities. Would you want to intern? And I've actually had people say, well, I'm actually kind of above working for free now. Like, I'm kind of past that. And I'm like, okay, okay, we'll lose my number. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, you can't, you can't just come in like, like, what's going to happen? Like, the way I'm going to try someone new, you're like, if I get an assistant rate on a job, I'm going to give it to one of my reliable assistants. Yes, I can't take a chance on you. Yeah, I'm like, at the end of the day, it's my job and my name and my reputation's on the line, like the work has to look right. So I'm going to put an assistant on that I have already vetted. Right. And know that can cover it and can handle it. I'm like, if you would like to come on set and see how we work and watch, um, you know, that's a whole other thing. And I'm happy to have you there, but there's no rate for that right now. And like, that's not to say like in the future, but I'm going to need you on set a few times to see if I'm willing to give you that assistant rate if my other assistant's not available. And I've also heard a lot of horror stories about, you know, coming on set and it's like your set etiquette is important as well. Like that people will then take the call sheet and just start reaching out to producers Uh, and whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, if you ever need anything, like that's disgusting. I always say if the person didn't give you their info, don't use it. Even if you get like people, I mean... Someone sent something to like a neighbor's house, which was not the right address, but it really rubbed me like, whoa, you know, like yeah. if I don't give you, if you haven't been to my house, don't send it. You know, it's like, keep it above board. You can send something to the office, but it's not good. Yeah, no, and it, it's creepy and it's gross and it's disrespectful and it's mm-hmm. it's undercutting. And I think like in this business, especially like, I mean, you can ask basically any makeup artist that like would be like my peer I give jobs out every day like it's literally not possible to do all the jobs which is why there's no Mm -hmm. reason to hate on people there's enough work for everyone especially in this day and age everyone wants their makeup done for every little thing like it didn't need to be like that you can there's so many jobs out here and I'm giving them away constantly and if I ever feel like someone is I don't even care if you do the most beautiful makeup if you're if you're doing anything that I feel like is just gross to people or inappropriate in any way and not respecting your peers, I would just never, ever give you that job. Like I cannot have you out here. You're just, like I said, like you're now setting a value. You're undercutting our value and setting your own value. And it's like everything gets graded on a curve. So if I'm charging $2,000 a day and you said you're going to come in here and do it for two fifty, not yeah. only have you lowered your own value, but you've lowered my value. Cause if they can get it for two fifty, then even if they want me again, they'll be like, our budget's 1500 this time. So now you've just right. cost me money. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Then it, you know, then it just gets very gross. So I think it's just how you handle not undercutting your peers, you know, financially, personally, professionally is super important. Um, and how you approach people, both customers I, and your peers. I agree. Okay. So I, I just have to say this. I don't think there is any non-black makeup artist that I've worked with to do my makeup that is good like you are on brown skin. Um, So I know that you talked about, you know, getting that experience working on videos and, and it's important to you to be able to do everyone. Can you give us five products that you love that you think brown girls can just never go wrong with? Like your top five things for like, brown the brownest brown skin absolutely um mac gold dust 
Is it gold? Really? No, I'm sorry. Gold deposit. Mac gold deposit is okay. the most beautiful highlighter. I feel really? like on anyone, I could put it on Carrie Hilson. I could put it on Issa. Mm-hmm. I could put it on Kelly Rowland. I like mm-hmm. it's beautiful. It's a perfect tone. It's not glittery, but it's just okay. um, a perfect sheen. Okay, that's one. Yeah, let me think. Let me think. Oh, Kat Von D Locket mm-hmm. Foundation. Um, really? You have to find your tone. It is amazing. Like, I feel like it wears all day. I feel like um, brown skin gets shiny very quickly, mm-hmm. no matter how much you powder it down. Um, all that beautiful melanin is just like reflective. Yes. Even if you're yes. not oily, it like it has a sheen and it reflects, right? Which mm-hmm. is beautiful in person, but in a photo, right. you can look greasy. I think the Kat Von D wears so well, like for hours. It doesn't slip. I mean, it's literally called lock it, and it just okay. does. It like locks to the face. Um, okay. yeah. So find your tones in there and, and go with it. Okay. Um, let me think. I'm trying Maybe to your favorite think. red. Do you have like a good oh brown or red? Yes. <laughs> NARS, uh, velvet matte lip pencil, dragon girl. Yes. I, I was like, yes. Uh, NARS dragon girl is, dragon is just, girl. it's perfect. Yes. It's perfect yes. on brown skin. Um, it's like more of a bluer tone. I think it's like a true, mm-hmm. true red. Um, sometimes if you do like a yellowy red, it'll just kind of, or like a more, yeah, like a more orangey red, it'll just skew way orange and not vibrant on brown skin. But Dragon Girl is popping, popping. Also, um, it, barring that, um, Anastasia makes, um, a liquid lip called, it's called, um, American Doll, which is also like a very vibrant red. Okay. Anastasia. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then... Go ahead. I, won't, no, well, I was gonna, gonna say um, maybe drugstore. If you yeah. if you're trying to go drugstore, um, CoverGirl Queen Collection. Yes, the bronzers are okay. so yep. good, especially like the ebony bronze. Don't be scared because it looks dark. Because I mean, like not to say anything bad about CoverGirl. It's it's it is drugstore. It's not as heavily pigmented as like a department store brand would be. So you can use that dark, dark shade and it is such a beautiful, either as bronzer or as contour. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like you can, it, it's because it's not overly pigmented, you're never going to get like a harsh line, but you're definitely going to get the glow and it's amazing. Um, but also like the, I think it's called a medium bronzer or the golden okay. bronze, whichever, all those bronzers from the Queen Collection are amazing. Okay. And then let me think, you know what I always love and it's so funny, um, I... <laughs> The girl, I'm sure everyone like follows her, Lovey. She's like um Oh, Lovey. Like yeah, I know Lovey. So funny. Yeah. I'm yeah. in a group chat with her. I love her. I'm obsessed with her. And I remember yeah. she tweeted, she was like going on a makeup rant one day and she tweeted, and I thought it was like the funniest tweet. She said, I don't like what banana powder has done to us as a society. And <laughs> I mean, I was like on the floor because I was like, it's so yes. accurate because in the wrong hands, banana powder is so bad. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if you use it properly... And not necessarily banana powder, but there's a, a yellow powder is important. It, it could be Ben Nye banana. It could be, um, oh God, what's it called? Is it like Senna Cosmetics? The um, There's one, there's a powder called Buttercup, but a okay. yellow powder is important okay. because you do want to bring out the gold tones of your skin. And I get okay. really nervous when I see um, brown girls pulling out like quote unquote translucent powder. I'm sorry, the brand is Sasha Cosmetics. I just looked it up. Sasha Cosmetics Buttercup Powder is like another yellow. And it's a little, it's a little less, um, 
ashy yellow. So it might be nice. Like it's a little warmer of a yellow. So the buttercup powder. Um, I get very nervous though when I see brown girls pulling out like quote unquote translucent powder and it's like white. Cause even though it's translucent, Uh it's just like, Oh God. Like when this flash catches, like we've all seen it. And especially if you're already sort of like overcompensating by, and I have no issue. Like I love a highlight and contour. I, you know, if you're already overcompensating with an extra bright highlight, I find that a yellow powder brings you back to warmth and doesn't keep it like it doesn't reflect gray or white or ashy in a photo. And I mean, I feel like every brown girl has experimented with highlight and contour and looked Mm -hmm. gray, which is like not a good look. Um, So like a yellow powder is clutch for bringing that, that warmth and that gold back to the center of your face and don't use it all over. That's my other tip. Like literally like T-zone under eye, whatever, but like your hairline, your jaw, like please keep that color like to match your neck. Because okay. otherwise you're going to just look crazy. Don't put the yellow all over because then you look crazy. Don't put it all over. Just yeah, Don't the, put it all the, over. You can't set your whole face with like banana or, or buttercup or anything like that. But it, <laughs> I just, yeah, I thought it was so funny. I knew exactly what Lovey meant when she said I don't yeah. like what banana powder has done to us as a society. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to frame this tweet. It's so funny and accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She is hilarious. Okay. So... I appreciate all of the tips and I know all of my makeup fans, entrepreneur girls, everybody who's looking to move will appreciate this, but I want to get your take on, we're going to do one listener question before we wrap this up. Uh, And I love to do this with guests. Uh, People write me. I have hundreds of questions in my inbox, uh, but this one came in recently and I was like, you know what? This is, it's a, it's a relationship question, question, Joanna. Um, So, and you are a, a mom and that's what I was going to ask you about like prior uh, balance and prioritizing but oh. i th- <laughs> there's no such yeah. thing yeah. <laughs> there's no such thing as balance balance is an illusion guys it's a myth. <laughs> that's what everyone one of my friend my other mom friend is like there's no such thing as balance it's just prioritizing what's it's important prioritizing. it's a lot of red eye flights a lot of yeah them. <laughs> okay. yes. just to not miss bedtime and to not miss wake up and no sleep for you but anyway yeah right okay, okay. <laughs> it's a myth <laughs> Right. So I, she comes in, she says, she's a, she's a fan. Um, you are such a boss and handled all that you have achieved with such grace. Girl, I'm a real fan. Thank you, girl. So she needs my advice. I've asked my family and a few friends, but I really need an entrepreneur's take on this matter rather than an emotional one. My fiance is a successful fashion entrepreneur and has been self-employed for 10 years. My fiance and I have been friends for over seven years. We studied our postgrad together and early last year, we took things to another level. Not to get too complicated here, he was still in a relationship with his business partner when he pursued me. After a six week whirlwind, it became clear that he wasn't brave enough to end it with her due to the business ties. So due to the business ties. So I did. I spent many months reconnecting with myself and ignoring him. He, however, would not stop pursuing me, sending gifts to my house. In July, he then sent me tickets to Italy. He was going there for work and sent me a note saying to come along so we could talk freely. I went, I, I aired my grievances and then the rest of the trip was magical. He explained that he had broken things off with his ex-girl slash business partner and wanted to move forward with me. He proposed then too, in a roundabout way, set it on a plane, no ring, but wanted us to tell our families right away. We did and things got complicated. My father said no. And it's been a long road for the both of us. For context, I'm black and he's South Asian. After many, many months, my family has come around. 
My fiance was the driving force behind the whole idea of getting married. And although he seemed happy, the more I began to talk about the actual wedding, the more withdrawn he became. He works abroad a lot and we sometimes go big periods without seeing each other for reference about two months at a time. He came back from such a trip in December. And as we were celebrating his return, I mentioned the wedding date, which was May 2017. And he said we needed to put it back. I was confused because I had finally gotten to the gotten into the groove of wedding planning. Although at this point, my dad hadn't come around, but it was looking very hopeful. He told me that business was bad and he needed more time. I questioned trying to understand what more time looked like. After about an hour, he finally suggested a September date. I was hurt and confused because he said, Um, he knew in October that he needed more time, but kept it in the dark until he was pushed to confess. Nonetheless, we managed to get past it. I took the hit with my family and friends and said it was me that wanted to change the date. He seemed happy about the new date and he even went to see a few venues with me and even liked one. I was so excited that he was finally feeling better about it. Then he began to withdraw again, getting quiet, but I assumed it was because I was going through a lot personally and he was struggling to handle it. I know you have spoken about therapy at length, but I decided to seek help to help me with my issues around low mood, low self-esteem and general burnout from all the people pleasing I was doing. I knew his business was struggling and I tried again and again to talk about it. I even offered to not have a wedding reception to see if that would ease his fears or get him to talk. It didn't. So we carried on. I put my fears aside about his doubts and carried on planning, even getting excited, excited again. Then whilst away again, he called me and asked how I'd feel about just having a ceremony. At this point, I had just spent the last few days in bridal shops and confirming arrangements for the venue he chose. I was taken aback, angry at the change again. I asked him what it was, what it was all about. And he said that he needed more time to get the money together. I asked how long he said, December, I was heartbroken. It's gonna, we're almost done. <laughs> I'm like, what well, is a little yeah. question? Okay. Yeah. So, so we're gonna keep going. A week before all of this, his ex and business partner have flown to him I to knew help she him. Yes. His his ex and business partner have flown to him to help him with production. And I wasn't too happy about it because he promised that they didn't need to be in the same place to work together. I'm not a particularly jealous person, but the fact that this woman still doesn't know he's with someone else a year on from their breakup disturbs me. I am sympathetic to the situation and how complicated it is, and I have been this way the whole time. I've said on multiple occasions that his money is not my business and he has to deal with this his own way. But this changing the date situation, lack of communication about important issues, no ring and general chaos that we are in as a couple makes me wonder if we are doing the right thing. I do believe he loves me. I don't believe he wants his ex back seven years and he refused to commit to her. That stood out to me this whole story. But when that seven years and he refused to commit to her I was like ding 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 but let me finish sounds familiar from the rest yes. of the story but continue seven years <laughs> and he refused to commit to her but I suspect that he fears she will leave his business if she finds out about me and that will be the end of him he's he just seems so concerned with not hurting her apparently the business kept her sane after their breakup and that's all she has We have argued and talked at great lengths about this. And now I'm flying halfway across the world to China this weekend. I'm actually flying to China, too. I wonder if she'll be on my flight (laughs) this weekend to see him for crisis talks. I know he loves me and I love him. But is he ready for marriage? He keeps saying that he had aspirations of being in a different place in his life when he got married. I did, too. But I don't feel marriage will hinder me or prevent progress. I'm starting my career again at 30. And that's okay. I do not want to rush him and I have and I have him 
what is and have him resent me in the long I don't want to rush him and have him resent me in the long term so do I give him time or do I let him go and let him flourish you may be thinking (laughs) you may be thinking why would I let him go now she said you may be thinking why would I let him go I never want to no no exactly (laughs) I never want to be the one to hinder someone dream someone's dreams I love him enough to let him fly as a success as you are a successful entrepreneur and you are in a relationship, you may understand his dilemma more than me. Has financial goals, business goals ever gotten the way of your relationship? Also, how would you deal with this situation? So, wow. Heavy, 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 heavy. But heavy, I was like, you know what? Heavy. I'm going to share this one with Joanna. So, oh, girl. Okay. Um, He's just not that into you. I'm sorry. It, um, yeah. I'm not, and I'm, I, I don't mean to make a joke out of it by like yeah. naming a book or a movie. But um, mm-hmm. I, when a man wants you, you know, right? Mm-hmm. It's very, it's glaringly obvious. And anyone who has not felt that, I'm sorry to just break it to you, like a man has not really wanted you that way, right? It just mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, that's first. <sighs> I don't. I don't know, like, obviously, without literally knowing him and knowing the scenario, I don't, I can't say, like, you can't trust him with her or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm going to completely remove her, like, her being the business partner slash ex okay. from the equation um, and, and give him the benefit of the doubt and say that his first priority is his business and okay. not his relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, regardless of, of if there's an, an emotional tie to her or he's scared of her leaving. Like the, the fact is, is he's prioritizing his, his work over his marriage to, to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with doing that. I think there is something wrong with him not being clear to you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I think a lot of, uh, not deceitful and I don't know what word I'm looking for, but a lot of behavior um, sort of gets hidden in the guise of protecting feelings when really uh, you do much better to sort of rip a bandaid off and and be honest with somebody because like that foggy feeling feels way worse than just someone Mm -hmm. telling you straight up, like this is not going to work. Do you know what I mean? Like who wants to sit there? Like you just want to sit there in purgatory for three years and figure it out and waste your prime and not be focused on your business right. and doing your thing while, while he's no. just not sure. I, I mean, like my short answer to the long question is like, break it off. And, and yep. it, I don't think that he's a bad person and I don't think that, um, he's necessarily being deceitful. I think he's a poor communicator. Yeah. Um, and I think that his, his business comes first. And I, and again, like there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, like, you know, going back to like the joke of like, how do you balance motherhood and everything? Like the illusion of balance is a myth, but you prioritize. Um, and you, it seems like you're never being made a priority ever. Like, and I don't even understand. Yeah. I don't feel like he wants it. He doesn't. I don't know. And it's not that he doesn't want you. He just, he, he doesn't want, I mean, but he doesn't, he doesn't doesn't want you because if he really wanted you, like it would be work. it would work. And the fact, and then I was thrown because I was like, "Wait, not only is she still involved, but she doesn't even know he's in a new relationship, much less yeah. going to get married." I'm okay. Like this is like he's way too much on the business side of it and protecting her feelings, regardless of if it's for his business or for the sake of her feelings and whatever he may feel for her or anything. The, the point is, is the business is coming over you every time. 
Yeah. Okay. I got a couple of things. So um, one thing my dad, two things, I want to share two things that my dad would say, like if, if I were having this conversation with my dad, the first thing he would say is the greatest indicator of future behavior is past behavior. So if yeah. he strung somebody else along for seven years, do not think that he will not do the same thing for you right. to you. He's not new to this. He's true to this. He's, right. he's, he, this is what he does. The second yeah. thing my dad used to tell me is that I remember when I was younger and I had like on occasion dated like a successful uh, person, somebody who was like famous or whatever, and they would like fly me out for the weekend. Like, oh, what you know, what are you doing? You want to, what are you doing? You want to come watch the Laker game, or what? You want to come see this or that? And I would be so blown away by some guy's gesture. And my dad was like, "Never be impressed because somebody does something that you can't do." So this guy, just because he can fly you around the world and do this, is like that's nothing to him because that's like make it the equivalent of like. You know, if somebody has a hundred thousand dollars versus somebody who makes ten thousand dollars, like you know, spending a grand is nothing. You know, it's like that meme that says you were impressed when he gave you twenty, and I only gave you five, but he could have given you ten thousand, and five was all I had to give. <laughs> right? Yes, <laughs> like he's yeah. not. It seems sexy to you, but it's not anything, you know? And so that's my other thing. I I feel like, and this is me, I'm going to step in an area which I have no right to do, but I'm going to do it. I feel like this guy is a narcissist. Who proposes to somebody on a plane with no ring, no ring. all just trying to like that's running game? Like and he, it's not like it's not like someone we've been we've been discussing marriage and all of a sudden it's like you have to marry me. Like that's not a proposal. That's just sort of a declaration. No. <laughs> right. Like that, it, he, there's he, a difference. And then got you going home telling your parents and then and then doesn't want to set a date. Got you stirring up your family. I just feel like somebody who loves you wouldn't do that. Someone who loves you would not ever put you in a position where you have to have your butt out to your family. This is somebody who cares a ton about themselves. And as far as like the business partner or the ex or whatever, I just feel like, um, I feel like because you aren't an entrepreneur, maybe you don't have a business that there's just some sort of like extra, like some extra gold stars that people in this position get about respecting people. You don't, you don't get it. Being successful doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want to do. Being an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you can mistreat people because you don't do this. It's just like, you have to be honest and, and, and forthcoming to people. And I just think this whole thing, I mean, how narcissistic is this guy? I can't tell her because this business is all she has. Like, really? Uh, right. I bet you his ex don't even feel that way. I right. bet you she, she's like, I bet you if she hurt, she'd be like, are is he serious? She's probably like, let me go and rescue this helpless mother again. <laughs> right. Like, or like, here he goes, need my help again. Like, let right. me go in and rescue him real quick. Right. And you are saying to me, I don't want to hinder his dream. Honey, he's not letting you. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry about that. I think that should be the least of your worries. Yeah. Like, don't worry <laughs> about that. So you said, how would I deal with this? It's just like, I'm one of those people who like, don't talk me to death. I'm, I'm all about actions. So I... I get to know people and I believe people based on what they do, not what they say. And Absolutely. pretty much everything that this guy seems to be to me right now is just bullshit. Like he's just talking a good game, but he has the, he has the distractions, the the stuff um, to keep you in a twist. So if you take away the distractions and we just boil this down to exactly what's going on, girl, See, go, who, go ahead. 
And you're you're 30 years old. And I know that pressure because I felt that pressure of like, oh, my God, I'm going to be 30 and not be married. And I'm and that moved me to Atlanta. And I got with somebody and I was like, Mm-mm, this ain't it. And it's like, go find somebody who's not going to play games with you, who's going to respect you and who will properly propose to you. Absolutely. Like you need to, you're a queen. You need to feel like a queen. Like, yes, forget. I, I'm not even as concerned about like the proposal feeling like a queen. I'm like, you don't feel like a queen in any moment of your no. day ever with him. Like no. that is a problem. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I say head for the hills and, you know, worry about your own business and don't be concerned about anything that he's doing. Cause he's not concerned about anything you're doing. The end. And you know what? (laughs) We are going to end on that note. Joanna, thank you so much. Can you give us all of your handles since you are uh, Miss Social Media on Twitter, on Instagram? Where can we find you? Or if we want to get our makeup done? Yeah, yeah. My Instagram, my Twitter, my Snap. I think, yeah, they're all the same. It's at Joanna Simpkin, J O A N N A. S is in summer. I am as in Mary. K I N is in Nancy. And my website is the same um, and you can link to it on, I think my Instagram and my Twitter bios, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, you can find me there. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you. you. Of course. Thank you, Joanna. You guys have a good day. You guys have a good day.